black preachers who are, are racist in their hearts. Uh, they, are, they are not called by God, but they've been called by their mama. The Jesse Lee Peterson Show is the only program in existence which deals straight up with black Americans. So-called civil rights leaders want them angry, dumbed down, and demoralized. It's not the leaders that blacks need, but good fathers and mothers. Welcome to the show. My name is Jesse Peterson. Thank you for tuning in. And let me hear from you. Uh, we have a website. You can call me, write me. Let me know what you think about these and the other shows. If you agree with the show, we'd like to have you on sometime. If you disagree, especially those who disagree, we'd like to have you on the program sometime. So feel free to email me or write me. My guest today is uh, Pastor Mike Bainis. I said it, huh? Mike Bain is all right. He's with Mid City Community Church out of uh, Midland, Texas. Mike, thanks for coming on. You bet. It's a privilege it. to be here. I want to talk to you about a whole range of things. Great. Uh, I want to. I want Black Americans to get an idea of what white ministers are thinking. Okay. You know, and how they uh, uh, view Black Americans and what they. Boy, think that'd be great. To the problem. First, I want to ask, uh, though, Mike. Uh, what is your purpose in life? Okay. My purpose in life is to advance the kingdom of God in, in every realm, in every area, with my family, with our ministry, uh, in every area that we go to. Our desire is to advance the kingdom of God through, through the various different means and the different tools that he's given us. And you're use. married with uh, how many children? Married to a, a great woman by the name of Mary, and I have four children. Uh, three girls and a boy. When a man says that I'm married to a great woman, what is, what is a great woman? A great woman is, is someone who you know in your heart of hearts that you married be above your head. That you, you married, be, I say that I punted beyond my coverage when I married Mary. Really? She is, she's uh, my number one friend. Uh, she's my best friend and my number one fan. How long have you been married? 17 years. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, it is a long time. You know, it's not long enough, though. Yeah. It's going to be well, longer. It's a lifetime thing. Yes, sir. Yeah. It sure is. Um, let me just ask one other question because I don't really sure. want to get into the marriage thing today. But um, when you don't agree with your wife, there are some things that you have to do and she doesn't agree with you. Right. What happens in those situations? What happens in those situations? What happens in those situations is this, is that we will first identify what exactly we don't agree on and then break it down and say, okay, now this is what I was saying when I said that. This is what I meant. This is what I was thinking. And she'll say, well, this is what I heard. This is what I felt. And, uh, and then we try to reconcile and come up with a, uh, uh, try to agree um, as, as best we can as to what the course of action needs to be or what needs to change in order for both of us to feel good about that. Is she unreasonable at times? Um, actually, I'd probably be the more unreasonable of the two. I'm going to ask you about you in a minute. But <laughs> is she unreasonable? She could be sometimes, but yeah. not unreasonable from the standpoint. Usually she's more level-headed, but she's more emotional. She thinks right. more with her heart and more of her feelings. This is what I feel. This is what I. That's and not I'm a good more, thing, is it? Well, it's it's is it a good thing? Right. 
I think it's a good thing it balances me because I have a tendency to be more logical, we rational. You are more uh, logical. I just, you know. But when you make decisions based on emotions, it's not a good thing because emotions tend to change all the time. That's true. Yeah, so That's true. logic is from God. And whenever you make decisions based on logic, you never have to go back and change it. Am I wrong or right about that? Well, yes and no. I think, I think you are. I think if I don't listen, a lot of times Mary's right with an intuitive feeling that I believe is a gift from God that women have that they just know that they know that something in them just doesn't bear witness to a given right, they situation. They do sometimes. They do. And, um, and there's, I think I, I need to listen to that more often. Yeah. And you don't. I'm working on it. <laughs> Why don't you listen to it more often? often yeah, more often. Um, I thought we weren't going to talk about marriage here. <laughs> but there's so many you're, men you're right. and women you're have right. the same problem. You know? You're right. And, so and, and maybe, I, I agree. And we got thousands of people watching the show. That's right. I, I would say that I don't listen to it more often because um, sometimes I purpose in my mind that this is the way it needs to happen. I go from my past experience, and I don't know. I don't recognize that every day we need to grow and need to change and need to. Um, recognize that God brings circumstances and situations along so that we can learn from them and move on and a lot of it is is taking in information from from my wife from a senior pastor other pastors at our church and and gleaning that and then saying okay this is the course of action and recognizing that you know we can learn from our past yeah. and move on to the future and so That's I right. think a lot of times I just I default to what I know instead of knowing that maybe God wants to show me something different. One it comes person, to pride. I think pride is involved in all it that. It is. It's a very prideful nature. Yes. That way. Yeah. Um, something else just popped in my head uh -oh. as you were speaking. Um, were you raised by your father and mother? Yes. But who are you most like, your father or your mother? Gosh, I've got tendencies from both of them. And um, I would say I would probably be more like my mother. Really? Yes. In what way? <laughs> In what way? Mom, if you're watching this, I just want you to know I love you. Um, I would say that I'm more like mom. Mom was, you've got to understand mom. Mom was the oldest of nine children, and her father died at a very early age. So mom and my grandmother raised seven boys and one sister. And being the oldest of, of nine children. Oh, you're the oldest? No, she is. My mother oh, is. Of her. Of her, okay. yeah. So got she's got some firstborn tendencies that are yeah. off the chart. Yes. And then dad uh, was a, a self-made businessman, uh, oldest of, uh, in his family as well. So we've got two firstborns, my mother and my father, coming together to create this cosmic reaction that birthed <laughs> all of us children. And so we have a tendency to be a lot like both of them. But... But they, they're uh, how both you strong. Like, how are you like your mother now? How am I like her? I tried like to avoid mother. that question. It didn't work. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mom stirred and made me forget. I know. Tug on it. <laughs> um, I am a lot like mom. I, I have a tendency to be um, uh, more uh, critical, um, more judgmental, yeah. more let's get it done. Don't give me excuses. Let's just do it. Um, and uh, dad was a little bit more merciful. Dad was a little bit more gracious. Um, mom just got things done. If you wanted it done, you give it to mom, she would get it done. And it's really, for my dad, same, same for, for my father as well, always heading up boards. And Do you like being that way? 
Yes, I don't like to be critical um, without uh, without some construction, constructive right. criticism. You so know. why don't you uh, get over it? Why don't you? I'm working on that. By doing what? Uh, by being a by recognizing recognizing it and then and then changing. You well, know, change even it. just admitting it right now is just you That's know right. identifying sure it. Is. You identify it and then you change. Yeah. So because that would cause problem in your home too with your yes, wife and sir. children. That's you know, fact. they'll say, Dad, you're too impatient. You want everything perfect. That's right. You know, that will bring on a problem for them. That's as right. Well. And, it, and, it, and it really isn't fair to them. It's not. They shouldn't have to go through that. That's exactly right. You want me to tell you how to quickly get over it? Come on. Bring it you, on. You need to forgive your mother. That's good. Yeah, you need to forgive her. When you forgive her, God will forgive you. That's good. And he'll set you free from that. Amen. And then you won't pass that on to your children. That's great. Because you're going to pass it on if you don't forgive her. That's good. Yeah. That's great. Will you do that? Yes. All right. Amen. Yeah, her. She means well. Your mom yes. meant well. She sure. did the best she could, but that's right. You know, they're not perfect. That's Parents exactly make mistakes right. too. That's right. So forgive her, and you can go free. Amen. You can, <laughs> see, we can close our shop now. Huh? That's right. Did you guys get that? <laughs> Let's move on to something else. Salvation. What is it, and how do you find it? Salvation. What is it? Salvation is is, in my opinion, it's a two-sided coin. It's a repentance. And then trusting in Christ, trusting in what what our Father God has done through the, our uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What are you been? What are you saved from? We're saved from ourselves, saved from sin, and we're birthed into the family of God, allowing us to uh, live with Him, uh, eventually reign with Him. But currently, we are saved from sin. And, and what is sin? Sin is slave, slavery. Slavery to what? Slavery to habits, addictions, bondage, death primarily. All those things lead to death eventually. The wages right. of sin are death. You know, and Mike, correct me on this because I could be wrong about it. When I think of sin, I always think of sin as being a rebellious nature against your father. You know how with your earthly father, if you disobey uh, you can be real tight with your earthly father, right. and he gives you an instruction: don't don't play with Johnny. Johnny is bad for you. Right. And then you go out and play with Johnny, and the moment you disobey your father, you lose connection with your father. The relationship changes. That's true. It seems to me that that's what happens with us with God. In our sinful nature, we have disobeyed Him, so we don't have a relationship with the Father. That's good. But as soon as we acknowledge that and apologize for it, we are now back with the Father. Amen. Could that, am I right about that? Or am I absolutely. No, okay. absolutely. So sin is a disobedience of God. Yes, it is. Because I, I remember reading somewhere it says that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's right. Meaning that you will obey God. That's right. Oh, okay. So that's a little simpler to understand. Yes, it right? is. Yeah, because a lot of people don't realize that they are disobeying God, and that's why they are not connected with Him. That's good. Oh, okay. Um, and how does one find salvation? How does one find salvation through the gift, the free gift of Jesus Christ, that God so loved us that He gave, as the as the gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in Him will have everlasting life. And when you have salvation, how do you know for sure? Is there a way to know for sure? that you uh, are saved or you, you have found salvation? I would say you, you know for sure through, by faith. Everything that we do, we do in faith. We acknowledge that Jesus, that we have acknowledged that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. And then a, the result of that, and maybe proof, if you will, 
would be the fruit that would, uh, that would appear in your life as a result of living for him and having the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Give me examples of fruits. Fruits. Fruit would be, uh, would be activities, actions, thoughts, feelings that coincide with a, uh, a um, Christ-like attitude. Um, uh, we talk about fruits being patience, kindness, right. gentleness, joy. Um, those type of things would be evident in your life. The, Jesus said you shall know them by their fruit. Right. And uh, we can be, we don't judge other people, but we can be fruit inspectors. If a person say that they're saved and they don't have peace within their life, they're not, they don't have peace within, is that a sign that they're not saved? I, I would think, um, I know a lot of people, as you do, um, Jesse, that have given their lives to the Lord, but still struggle and still fight with habits, you know, things that they're trying to let go from their past. Right. And sometimes they confuse that, that peace with, that, you know, they, they long for that peace, but yet they still are practicing sin, yeah. and, and therefore they don't have that peace. Yep. And so I would say that it, it truly, we I would like to believe that they would have peace, uh, knowing that they are reconciled with, with the Lord, yeah. that they have surrendered their life and picked up His cross daily to follow Him, but also recognize that, that as they walk with Him, that every day they have to decide, today I die to myself and I live for Him. Just Paul said, I am, no, I, cru I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives within me. So peace, I believe, comes when you understand that He is with you, He is there, and He is able to allow you to walk through anything that comes your way. Fourteen years ago, when I repented and God forgave me, He took away all the conflict that I had within myself, the fear, the doubt, the worry, the insecurity, and He gave me perfect peace. Amen. And... In that perfect peace, I have no desire to struggle with my own life. That's great. I realize there's nothing I can do with myself. I, it's not even a temptation for me. Uh, do most people get that when they're saved? They should. I mean, I would, I would say, like, I had a similar experience as you did. Um, I, as a pastor, though, have come to see the, a phenomenon in the church that that uh, actually what you've done is kind of hit a hot button with me because I see a lot of people who struggle yeah. with their relationship with the Lord instead of just trusting in Him yeah. and obeying Him and walking out their salvation with fear and trembling. I see people that come to the altar. We have a phenomenon in the American church where we encourage people to come forward to raise their hand, to dedicate, to rededicate, to commit, to recommit. And they think that that is the end of end all. <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's the not, end all. Right. It's just really the, the beginning yeah. of your journey. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people think, well, I prayed or I came forward or I came, and, and you laid hands on me, you prayed for me, and I shouldn't have, no, 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 uh-uh. It's, it's about that was the beginning of your journey. But I also noticed, too, that when you truly repent and are born again, you have the faith that things are going to be fine, you know. Uh, I have no doubt in my life. It's, there's, I never doubt anything. I, don't, I never think about doubting. Wow. Uh, it just, and I've gone through a lot since I've changed, right? But I never, ever think about doubting at wow. all. Wow. It doesn't even occur to me. 
But beforehand, before I repented and was born again, sure. I, used to think, I, I doubted everything. You bet. But it's not even a temptation anymore. Wow. Isn't that nice? That's awesome. <laughs> that is. I didn't expect that was going to happen to me, but I, I have no doubt about anything. And I don't walk around thinking that I believe either. Okay. It's just that I have no doubt. There you go. Because you can feel doubt, but you can't feel faith, belief. There you go. Belief just is, you know. It's the nature of God, and His nature is in you. You work from that. That's great. Michael, uh, Mike, um, are you a racist? No. You don't hate black folks? Uh-uh. So as a white man and a minister, when, you, when you're sitting back in your room watching TV or you're hearing some of the stuff that blacks are saying about white folks, what, what goes through your mind? Cause I don't think well, black Americans know what you're thinking. Yeah, what goes um, through your mind? You know, I, we at, at our church, which is Mid-Cities Community Church here in Midland, we, we desire and are believing for an accurate representation of the dem demographics that make up Midland Odessa and the Permian Basin. If, if, the, if, if we have a 30 or 40 percent of the population is Hispanic and, and 55 percent is white and, and maybe uh, 10, 15, 20 percent here in the Permian Basin would be black, we trust God that God would allow our congregation to, more, to, to accurately represent the demographics of this area. And so what, it's funny that you'd mention that because I have sat down with some of the um, uh, black leaders in our church and have asked them, what can we do to more, to more fully integrate our church and make it the true representation of, of our area? And, uh, and I've asked that question. What did so they what, tell you? And they said, you just keep being honest, you keep being transparent, you keep loving people, whether they're black, brown or white and God will add and people will be drawn and, and so when you're looking at TV and you're hearing all this crap excuse my language what's going through your mind like these people are crazy I don't hate them they, they need to get over it or like stuff like like Reverend Sharpton you mean or something yeah, like that or names like those type of people yeah. I, I think I think that when, when I when I look at that and when I hear that I know that they represent a, a, they don't represent the entire black population just like I don't represent the entire white population. Right. And, and I like to think that if they understood um, the love that we can share for one another through, through Christ, it's not anything of ourselves because we're always going to let other people down. If I trust in you, you trust me, I'm going to let you down sometimes, you're going to let yeah. me down. But if we trust Christ in you, and I believe the best in you, and you believe the best in me, Together we can walk. To, we can we can accomplish what what the Lord would have us to do. Do you realize that they don't want that to happen? They don't yeah. want to realize. Yeah, I, I I I I yeah. I believe you're right, and you know that better than I do. And and that's when I tune into your station, turn into your program, and and. Uh, um, what do you think about my show? I love your show. Well, I mean, as often as I get the chance to listen to it, yeah. um, we we just so you kind of know kind of where I'm coming from is. With Morningstar Convention of Churches, which Mid Cities is a part of, um, one of our one of our greatest strengths is, is racial reconciliation. In fact, um, the gentleman who led me to the Lord, the founder of Morningstar Church, uh, Morningstar Christian Churches, is a guy by the name of Rice Brooks. Rice, his when you drive into Nashville, Tennessee, you come out of the airport, you'll see Bethel World Outreach Center, which happens to be the church that he pastors, and you have a white hand and a black hand together praying and it, it truly represents that one picture 
symbolizes the heart that we have towards bringing all of God's people, yeah. whether, whether it, it doesn't skin, it's just whether it's, you know, uh, the amount of, of uh, how do you say it, Mel something in your skin pigment does uh, not, melan melatonin, something. Yeah, it it, it doesn't it doesn't it really doesn't <laughs> it doesn't it shouldn't determine. So my how my we question would be then, why don't white ministers and pastors love black people enough to stand up and tell them, I am not your problem, you need to get over it, you know I don't hate you, yeah, uh, you need to repent, your sins are keeping you down, yeah. Uh, why don't white ministers? Love blacks enough to say that. To tell them the truth. Right. To speak the truth right. in love. Speak the truth. The same way they would with any other person. That's right. Any other white person. Yeah. Why don't they love them enough to do that? Well, I think part of it has to be with relationships. I think, I, you know, I know, I think of our minister, Midland Ministerial Alliance. We've got a ministerial alliance in the city of Midland that is uh, beyond compare. I, we are moving to Dallas shortly to plant a church, and I long for that desire. We've got, we've, we have, uh, black ministers, white ministers, Hispanic ministers, all together praying at least once a month, oftentimes going away. And those ministers would be, the, the black ministers would be the first ones to tell you that you guys are speaking the truth to us. I mean, we are receiving from you in, in the same way we receive from them as they speak the truth and love to us. But, you know, and, and there's there's a relationship that has developed as a result of being together and hearing well, each other's people, hearts. White ministers can't, they're not, now with exceptions, they're always exceptions to the rule, but what I noticed that it sat in my heart is that most white ministers can't be flat out honest with black ministers. They won't, they won't call it what it is. Call it what it now, is. Now black people will say whatever they want to the white minister, and, but the white minister won't, won't speak won't, up won't and, speak and, and disagree and, yeah. and take him to task on it. Yeah. Is that true or not? Well, you know, I think in my level where I'm at, in my sphere of influence... Am I right about that first? I think you are. Okay. I think you are. And, and I, I, I look at that, when I, when I think of your paradigm and I think of your sphere of influence and where you're at, you're at a much larger scale with, with you know, talking about uh, well-known figures that are, you know, pretty... Um, public, if you will, and uh, in, in, in the public sector, I don't think it's proper, and this may just be me, but I, it's hard for me to understand how you can confront somebody in a public place if you're not willing to say to it in private. If you, can, if you have the opportunity, the privilege to be able to get them in, in, in the private privacy of one-on-one well, -on -one can, you can't, right. but that would be the place to do it. I mean, just to come out and then are we are we not actually doing the same thing that, they're, that, that they may be doing, you know, you casting stones? You made such stones. an excellent point. Christ, did Christ confront in public or private? I think he did both. Right. So why don't white ministers do the same? I don't have the answer for that. <laughs> I really they, don't, and because, that's a good point. Yeah, because they represent Christ, right? Right. And so sin is publicly and private. And there are cases where I deal with people privately. Right. You know, I counsel privately, I talk to someone privately, but a lot of them you can't get to. And they're That's influencing true. the world with their wrongdoing. That's, That's true. And as men of God, who, is call, who are called by God, we have a responsibility to rebuke that, or we're going to pay a price for it. I agree with you. Absolutely. Can you ask the white ministers to start doing it? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll do it. They should love blacks as much as they love anybody else. Absolutely. Say, publicly, this is wrong. 
I'm not your problem. Your sins are your problem. You're following the wrong people. I mean, and if they don't like it, that's up to them. That's good. People didn't like Christ because he told the truth. That's true. Remember that? And if we are his representation, yes, sir. we can't be concerned or shouldn't be concerned about the world. That's good. We have to do what's right. That's good. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you are. I think that you need to you, that you need to understand that people need to understand and be bold and have the confidence to know that if somebody's coming against something, then yeah, I agree with you. Is it possible to be born again and called by God and not be bold? No, I think boldness comes with that. I think. So why I think, if you if you who said that they're called by God, why aren't they bold? Why aren't they bold? I don't know. I really don't. I'd like to think that I am. I'd like to think that I'm a little bit more confrontational than the next person, but um, I don't revel in that either. I don't like to, you and know. You shouldn't, because it's not you, but it's God in you. That's right. And you know, it's nothing that we, I don't take, um, I don't take ego pride in what I do, because I know without a doubt, all my help come from God, from That's within, right. right? That's right. On myself, I cannot, I wouldn't have the courage to do it. Let me That's honor good. With you. That's good. Or the desire, really. Exactly. Because you go through a lot when you stand up for what is right. That's good. Most of the time you have to stand alone. You call all kind of names and stuff like that. But I'm not moved by that anymore. You know, he took that away from me. Um, That's fantastic. Jesse Jackson. Uh, good or evil? I don't think Jesse Jackson will fall into the good category necessarily in, from my perspective. I think... Uh, it, it, it puzzles me, and I haven't studied him enough to, to feel like I'm qualified to answer this, but I would say that Jesse Jackson is, is, you know, obviously he believes in what he's doing, but I think he's going about it the wrong way. Good or evil? Um, I, I feel like you want me to say evil. No, I want you to say what you want to say. I, well, I don't think he's evil per se, but I don't, don't. think he's good either. You don't think he's evil? He's neither evil nor good. No. He's neither evil nor good. Yeah, I'm just like, so I where think. where is he then? Well, I think. There's only two, either evil or good. I think he's doing good things for people, but he's like going what? about it the wrong way. He's Name not using principles. It's, it seems to me, from what little I know, <laughs> that, he's going, that he's really trying to help people better themselves. Like what? What do you know that I don't know? Well, I might not know. See, that's why, <laughs> that's why I'm not qualified to answer that. Um, Maybe. That you know more than I do, and after I sat and talked with you for a while, then maybe I could abortion, better answer that. Abortion, good or evil? Abortion is definitely evil. Homosexuality? Definitely evil. Uh, cheating on your wife? Definitely evil. Jesse Jackson supports all those things. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. So, is so, it good or evil? so those, those actions are definitely evil. So would you say, Jesse, if those actions are true, what I've just said about if the those man, are If those are true, then, then yeah, then, he's, then he is promoting is, Satan's so agenda. So is he evil? That would be say yes, it is evil. How come it's so hard to say? You're a preacher. Well, because because I, I gave you all the evidence. And I said if I'm right in what I said, and we're out of time. Okay. We'll pick up on this next week with this first question. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Jesse Peterson. Let me hear from you. We have our website up. We have email us, write us, call us. I want to know what you think about these shows, all right? Uh, I am uh, continuing a talk with uh, Pastor Mike Bainus from uh, Mid-City Community Church in Midland, Texas. And it is so good. 
Well, I had to tell him to be quiet during the break time because he says, you know, uh, breaks seem to be better. Mike, again, thanks for hanging out, for coming by. Um, we were talking before we left. We were talking about if Jesse Jackson, Al Shopton, Louis Farrakhan, are those guys good or evil? Uh -huh. And you say? And I said, I think that the fruit in their lives, if their fruit in their lives are evil, then you would need to look back and say, then maybe an evil true is produ producing evil fruit. Maybe um, or is? It is. Okay. Yeah. It is. Because I know you want me to say that they're evil, but I just, I, know, I think I there's a part of me that's just kind of saying, golly, these guys can be redeemed. These guys can, what the devil meant for evil, just as Saul of Tarsus was Saul, was he evil when he held the coats of Stephen? Yes. Was that an evil action? Yes. But yet God took him and changed him and he became one of the greatest, greatest evangelists and, and propagators of the Christian faith. And so I'd like to believe that, but I would say that today on July 23rd, 2003, they are, they are evil men doing evil acts. Are you bold enough to stand up in your pulpit and say that? Yeah, I would say that in my yeah. pulpit. Why don't most white ministers say those things uh, in their pulpit and outside the pulpit? I, I, think, I think there's a, there's a great degree of intimidation and fear that lodges in, within the hearts and minds of, of ministers, white ministers, who are afraid of being labeled a racist, afraid of being a bigot, afraid yeah. of being, um, and, and the reality is, 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 is you had alluded to earlier, that you can, you can speak the truth without being a racist. That's right. You can speak the truth without yes, being sir. a bigot. You can speak the truth without, without um, playing the race card, you know, and, and because everybody needs to hear the truth. Whether it's Saddam right. Hussein or... And blacks need to hear from whites and not just from black people. You know, I think it's sad that only blacks can tell blacks the truth. And as a matter of fact, blacks don't even, not all of course, but most of them don't want to hear the truth from other black people. But I think it's sad that blacks represent blacks, white represent whites, Hispanics, Hispanic. That's a, a trick of the devil. That's good. Because the yeah. truth should be able to come from anyone. If That's it's right. the truth, it's the truth. That's right. And that's just it. That's right. Um, um, if they are, if white ministers are intimidated uh, for fear of being called a racist and they have fear when dealing with black Americans, that says to me that they're not called by God. They're not born again. Am I wrong? Well, I would say, I mean, <laughs> I would say that we, I mean, they would operate in fear, but are they born again? I would say that they, yeah, I would say that they're born again, but they need to overcome that one stumbling block of fear, not letting fear reside where faith needs to be. But, that, that but they God need to, says that, uh, Perfect love casts out fear. Yes, it does. And so when you're born again, you're born of God. Right. Meaning you have his love, and he's cast fear out. So why would they have fear if they're born again? Why would they have fear if they're born? I, I, think, I think that they, just like anybody else, they allow fear to come in. But you can't, I mean, how can you allow it if you have a new nature? You know, you're protected from the world. Right. And fear holds you back. It keeps you from doing the things of God. Right. And if God called you to preach, yes. he, he saved now, you first, then yes. he called you to preach, but yet you have fear. Yeah. You, apparently, you're not being called by God. Yeah. By well, I think there's a difference between being, being called by God, operating in fear, and being born again. I mean, being born again, and, and I, I hear what you're saying. Well, God but God doesn't I, I would, call you if not born again. you got to be his son in order to work with him, right? So he right. saved you, then called you, and used you, right? Right. 
Right. So, and so I think in that process, as, as, as you mentioned, perfect love does cast out fear. As we draw close to Christ, as we get to know him, as I get to know you and I get to trust you and know that what you say you're going to do as I develop my relationship and, I pro and I'm on that line of process of sanctification, then I get to understand and that, that fear that I might have had when you've asked me to do things in the past, I think that fear dissipates and that more and more love and more and more trust and more and more faith arises in my heart when I hear my Father God say, step out and say this. This is what I'm calling you to do. So, and the example being like Jonah, you know, I mean, he had yeah. fear and he ran from God. Now, granted, we were talking about, are they born again or are they not? Right. I believe that there's a lot of born again people that walk in fear. But how is that? And how can, that, how can they coexist? Because, because they not, don't know their Father God. They don't understand so their Father God. Again, well, I'd say they're born again. But if you are my daddy... I know you. Yes. So if the if God but is their daddy, they know their father. I just, so I just, they... I just think that that's a broad statement to say that they're not born again if but, they're not willing but then to. But contradicting the Bible, then. I don't think I'm kind of contradicting the Bible. But the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. It does say that. And then fear doesn't please God because right. fear shows a lack of faith, and without faith you don't please God. Right. So if you're born again, you have this nature, you have faith. How can you have fear? I think fear is, is a tactic of the enemy to come in to dissuade us right. from accomplishing what God would have us to do. Mike, I have no fear. Okay. Now, I don't feel and brave. See, I do. I have fear sometimes. Mike, I don't feel brave. Right. You know, like, I don't feel like this macho guy. Right. Just, you know, all that. But right. I don't have fear. Right. I have concern about things and stuff like that, but no fear. Right. And God took fear away from me. And so that's why I'm wondering, how can you be born again, especially preachers who have the responsibility to show the world how to overcome fear. Exactly. exactly. And if they have fear, how are they going to help anybody? Yeah. And so if white preachers are not speaking up because they have fear being of being called a racist, right. how are they doing God's work? Yeah. Well, I, and I, would, I think that's a valid question. I really do. I, I think, but to and jump the over there and is, say that the preachers aren't born again I'm just asking because they have fear. I'm asking today yeah. because, you know, I don't know how the two goes to go together. Right. And, and, and my response to that would be this, is that I think, I think these pre, I think, you know, whoever we're talking about that may be operating in fear or may allow fear to keep them for, from fulfilling the call that's on their life and from speaking the truth, I don't know, I don't, I, I, I think that's, I think that's valid and I think that's real. But to make the next step and say that they're not even saved, they're not even born I'm again, wondering. that they're not. And, and, you know, you could, that's a valid wonder. Right. But I would disagree and say, I think people can be saved, but they need to, they need as they are sanctified, as they grow in the things of God and the grace that God pours out on their life, that their his mercy is new every morning. And that as, as they walk out their fear and try, now Peter, Peter was afraid. Peter received fear, you know, he had fear in his life. He spoke in faith. People got saved. But and then Peter's Peter, ministry. Unlike Peter, Peter couldn't be born again as we can today, you know, because Christ yet hadn't come and turned things around. Or when he can, had that fear before Christ right, died. Right, yeah. yeah. You so, could say that, yeah. Right, and so we can say, okay, Peter didn't have a way out. But as we have a way out by being born again mm -hmm. and not having fear. So. Right. Yeah. Well, and then you can look at guys, I mean, heroes of the faith like Martin Luther, who, who had fear enough to run away from the authorities and hide in a castle. That's wisdom. 
Well, and then, now, yeah. If somebody and comes see, to my door looking for you, and I, and I tell you to hide under the bed, I'm not going to say Mike is under the bed. Right. You know, that's wisdom. But right. That's not fear. Right. But I mean, what I, uh, yeah, I guess we could just kind of split <laughs> here. But. I want to, um, uh, when you hear that, uh, as a white pastor, when you hear that 70% of black babies are born out of wedlock, you hear that there are more black men in prison than there are in colleges today. When you hear that 90% of black Americans vote for the Democratic Party, a party that is not of God, do you agree with me that it's not of God? Yeah. Okay. And when you see them following people like Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, a lot of the, most of the black preachers who are not called by God are called by their mama. Okay. What goes through your mind? <laughs> their mama. <laughs> well, it breaks my heart. It, to it completely breaks my heart. Does it break it enough to go out and do something about it? Yeah. I mean, we do. We do. What all are you the doing time. about things like that? Well, with my relationships with the, with the other black churches in our community, um, reaching out to them, uh, being sensitive this. to you know what we do in our local church. What do you mean by being sensitive to it? Well, what can we do to help? How can we? How about help? just what tell the we, truth? Yeah. And, you know, and, and, or support those that I are, are about, telling the truth. I don't truth. mean to be pointing at you, but yeah. there's another thing I notice <laughs> about white people, period, and especially white ministers, they feel they have to cater to black people. Let's be a little sensitive with blacks. Yeah, you know, let's point. bring in a gospel choir. Let's, you know, mess up our church just to make them feel comfortable. That's not love. They need to be treated in the same way that you would treat a white congregation. Mm -hmm. Why are they so sensitive? I mean, we won't break. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, being that I haven't been placed in that position where I have a church where I'm you know, bringing people in and not, I, I really can't answer that question from experience. Right. What I would say would just be speculation. I don't know if that's going to do you any good. Well, but I, you, if that is going on with some white preachers, what would you say to them? If you can look into the camera and tell give them, as a man of God, a preacher, a pastor, what would you recommend for them? Or say to well, them? I, I would encourage them to be honest. I would encourage them to be transparent. I would encourage them to speak the truth in love. Will you ask them not to cater to blacks? Yeah, I think I, I, I don't think you should treat them any special, any different than you would treat uh, right. a group of white people. Because when you do, you set yourself up to be used. Well, you set yourself up, and people perceive that. Uh -huh. As I as I said earlier, in the earlier when I was talking to some of the people in our church and some of our leaders and some of the young men that that God has opened doors and allowed me to speak into their lives. Um, uh, some black families in our, or, or mixed families in our, in our church, they said, Pastor Mike, just keep loving people, keep speaking into their lives, uh, keep being transparent, don't have any favoritism. Because people, right. people can That's sense right. that right That's off right. the bat. It's like with your own children. If you favor one over the other, they're right. gonna know that and That's it's gonna right. bring conflict. It doesn't bring peace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, it doesn't bring peace at all. Mm -mm. It brings conflict. And people see that. Yeah, they do. They can just tell that. And and, and I think it's hard, uh, it's hard from the standpoint that that depending on how you were raised, like I was raised in the cities of Chicago and, and, and I had a lot of black friends uh, not as many Hispanic necessarily until I moved to Texas 13 years ago, but I, I realized that you know we're all we're all alike. You know yeah. we all have the same right. emotions, the same uh, things that we enjoy. I know that culture plays a huge part in that, and that culture needs to be respected. I believe culture should be respected, but it shouldn't be catered to. And I, and right. I, I think that's a good point. Um, Ninety percent of Black Americans vote for the Democrats. 
uh, out of that 90%, 90%, 85 say that they believe in God. What's your opinion about all that? Well, I wonder what God they believe in. Oh, good. That's what I wonder too. <laughs> well, you know, you got, right. got a lot of gods out and there. And why do you wonder that? Well, because of the fruit that, again, you know, makes up, you know, their stance, their platform. You know, you look at a lot. I, I, it's hard for me to see God-fearing people support abortion. Yes, sir. I, I just don't know. I don't understand that. I have gone as far to say, as to say that the Democratic Party is about homosexuality, you know, same-sex marriages. They are about uh, abortion on demand, yeah. even up to the ninth month. Convenience. You can, yeah. It's a form of birth control. Right. They are about cheating on your wife, and it's okay. Remember how Bill Clinton cheated on his mm -hmm. wife? Jesse Jackson cheated on his wife, and he could walk into the average black church today and get a standing ovation. Hmm. You know, from the pulpit right. down to the last seat. Yeah, now. that's scary. Um, uh, but yet these people vote for that. And I have gone as far as to say that the reason that they are able to support that is because they're not born again. Because God said yeah, that yeah. when you love him, yeah. you either love good or you love evil. That's good. You know, you hate the other one when you love the other one, right? That's good. And so when you promote evil, it said to, says to me right. that you love evil. Yes. And that you're not of good. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, I think you can judge a tree by its fruit. That's and right. And you can look and say, you know, that not only is the fruit there, but also, you know, the what they're promoting, what they stand for, what they believe in. And if you if you reject the truth, then you've got to be accepting something else. Um, will you do me a favor then? Sure. Will you encourage white ministers to start doing that stuff? Absolutely. Speaking the truth, because it, it is needed. We're in the greatest country in the world. We're in a Christian nation. And we this country was built because white men and others, of course, but white men were able to tell the truth. That's good. They were, were not concerned about racism at the time. They told the truth in spite of the opposition. And we all, Hispanics and blacks and whites who love God, have a responsibility to tell the truth to Amen. all people. That's great. Will you encourage that for you me? You bet. Or if they want me to come and do it, I'll encourage sure. you. Sure. You bet. Um, <clears throat> two other questions. Okay. I want to talk about man and woman relationship. Okay. What do men want from women? What do men want from women? Golly, what can I get? That's a big <laughs> question. What do men want from women in, in, in what kind? You mean in, in, in husband-wife relationship? Would men, that be in that men context? Men and women relationship, in period. What do they want? I think, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start from the context of a, of a husband and a wife. I, okay. think, I think a husband wants from a wife um, a, a friend, first, first and foremost, and, uh, and then a, a, a place to go for support, a place to go, a person to go uh, for love, affection, um, uh, everything that makes up and well, you know, the well-rounded balance of a, of, a, of a healthy life, both spiritually, uh, a spiritual soulmate, as well as a, as well as a, um, a life partner, somebody that they can walk with. So um, I think that's what uh, that's what you know I would expect from my wife, and that's what I receive. Um, if uh, I believe in the order. God and Christ, Christ and man, man over woman, woman over, woman over children. If man, if that order is true, you believe in that order? Yes. Well, okay. I mean, that's scripture. Right. Yeah. And so, so that means that man gets his love from Christ. Christ gets his love from God. The woman gets her love from man. 
and then it passed on to the children, right? Okay. Is that right? Uh, that's one way of interpreting that. Is yeah. that a wrong way? I don't want to be wrong. Um, I, I don't know. I've never heard of Christ getting his love from God. I don't know how you... But, but I mean, I see what you're saying. Right, I, that's I, I understand. Okay, yeah. But it says, it, says God is the, it says Christ is the head of the family. Right. And the man is the head of the family. And Christ is the head of man as, right. as God is right. the head of Christ. Okay. That's right. And which tells me that man gets his love from Christ, right? Man should and then get, the yes. way that Christ loved man, he loves his wife. Yes. In that way. Yeah. And then the way that the man loved the wife, the wife loved the children. Okay. So this love is just passed down. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Am I right about that? Yeah. Am I right? Then why do men look for love from women? Why do why do men look for I think because they are their lack of identity in Christ, now, understanding who they are in Christ. So but a man kind of going that, back to that trust, you know, understanding and right. drawing in that relationship that our relationship is a love relationship with God the Father right. through His Son Jesus Christ and by the by the Comforter or by the Advocate of the Holy Spirit that yes, comes sir. in and, and 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 reveals God's nature to us. The Holy Spirit does that. He's our teacher. He's our Comforter. That's he's right. our Advocate. It's better that Jesus leaves because he's in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit can be here and in Liberia so, at the same time. So if a man is looking for love and affection from his wife, it is a sign that he doesn't know Christ? No. How do you do that? How do you <laughs> jump from that all the way to... I think, I think it's healthy for a man to, to receive affection and love and affirmation from his wife, but that How's cannot that be that cannot be his major source oh, of Oh, maybe I don't understand what you mean about love. What is love? What is love? Yeah, maybe that's where I'm confused. Okay. Well, what, why don't you tell me Christ what you said, think love is Christ first. said to man, love your wife as Christ loved, as the, Christ church. loved the church. Right. And we are the church. Our right. body is the church, not the building. Right. And so Christ is loving us in the right way. Well, Christ so we loved gonna, us so much he gave his life for us. Right. So we're going to so love our wife. Enough to the, live our way. life down. That's right. Right. To make that sacrifice, yes. not cheat on her, not right. be mean and abusive, exactly. all that kind of speak, stuff. Speak Correct her when she's wrong, right. guide her in the right way. Exactly. Right? So, uh, so, but, so when man is looking to woman for love and affection, that means that he turned away from Christ looking to him for it, right? Yeah. Well, you could, I mean, if that's his only source of love and affection, yes. Christ is the only source. No, I'm saying if he, if a man is going to a woman and getting all of his identity, all of his strength, all of his nurturing, all of his affirmation, all of his love, all of his affection from his wife, and then putting all that weight and burden on her that was never intended for her to, to carry. If, if man... So he needs to get that from Christ. I believe, I, be, I, I agree with you. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And, but I, I also think, though, at the same time, practically, that if you don't receive some love and affection from your wife, and, and there's not a two-way street, there's a give and a take, where you're giving love, you're willing to lay down your life for her, um, and your wife is not giving anything back to you, and, and she says to you, honey, you know what, why don't you go get your love and affection from Christ? I mean, why don't you just go I'll spend the I'll be like, right on. Yeah, and you would say, well, you'd say, right <laughs> on, I will get my love and affection yeah. from Christ, but I also expect you to, you know, kind of... Uh, I'm going to get to her in a minute, because okay. I understand what you're saying, and you're right. Okay. Uh, if if woman is getting her love from man, who's getting his love from Christ, who's getting his love from God, then when man go around and get love from woman, yeah. wh what is where is he getting? They're his, where, it. Yeah, where is she They're getting his love from that she's giving him? Yeah, 
Well, and she needs to be getting her, her affection, I mean, not only from her husband, what if she's not married? How does she have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ if she doesn't have a husband? Good point. You know? May I answer that? Go ahead. Do you know the answer or you want me to answer No, I want you to. I like, I like when you talk. <laughs> By loving her father. When a woman loves her father, she loves God. That's good. And then she's going to be attracted to a man that's just like daddy. And she's going to love her husband in the way that she loved her father. And her husband going to love Christ the way that the father loved Christ. That's good. And, and when you've got all these fathers that are absentees, it, it really sets back a lot of women from being yes, able sir. to be all that God's created them to be and yes, have sir. that relationship that God you know, wants them to have. Because That's they've right. got this distorted, perverted uh, mindset of what a father is. That's right. In a way, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, after a while the husband becomes like a father to the wife. You know, he, he treats her the way her, her father should have and would have treated her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With patience and kindness mm -hmm. and love and joy. Yeah. I, well, that's why I, I think, I think there might be, you know, a lot of truth. I mean, there's more truth in that from the scripture that says a man shall leave his father and mother and a wife shall leave, right. you know, and cleave and that's two right. become one flesh. Um, what is love, Mike? What is love? I think love is God. I mean, you know, that Christ you know, his sacrifice for us, true love, the epitome of love. Yeah. I mean, without, without him, without God the Father, we, we have no love. I've come to realize that love is not this emotional stuff that we drain from each other. You needed me, you loving me, I'm loving you, the suffered stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it goes and comes. Mm -hmm. But love is simply not hating. When you don't have hate, resentment, you have love. It's not a feeling, it's just... It's a truth, you know, it's a, it's a, a truth, a, a, a truth of a, a, an honesty. It's God in you. That's good. You loving them the way God loved you. That's it's just good. absence of hate. Yeah. We don't have hate, you have love. Or bitterness We're, or jealousy. Yeah, all that all stuff. That stuff. When you don't have resentment, you don't have bitterness, you don't yeah. have jealousy and envy and all that. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, I think I'm you're not right. Wrong. Uh, what do women want from men? What do women want from men? I think, I think women want uh, a man in, in, who loves God, puts, puts, has his priorities in the right place, um, has a relationship with Christ that is life-giving, that allows him to give I agree with that. to her. I've noticed that, and correct me again if I'm wrong, please. I noticed that women hate weak men. They hate men who need them. They hate men that rely on them rather than they being able to look up at him and rely on him. And a lot of men are wimpy like that. You know, mm -hmm. they look to their woman for support, make me feel good, make yeah. me feel like a man, tell me everything going to be fine. And it's not in her nature to hold him up like that. Right. But That's it's in good. the nature of the man to hold her up. Am I wrong about that? No, I, I think you're right. Well, I why think, are so many men doing that to women? Why does it, well, because again, their relationship with Christ is, is, is shallow or it's... Why this is not being corrected in the churches? I think it is, um, uh, but maybe not to the degree that we'd all like to see it is. Why you not? Know, I know like in our men's ministry at our church, for example, we, we, sh we try to bring the truth to men so that they can receive it and then act on it. You right. know, and then actually walk it out right. in the context of other relationships with other men, where there's accountability, where there's trust, where there's relationships, and men are looking at other men and saying, you know, how are you doing with your wife this week? How yeah. are you doing with your wife? What happened with that situation? You told last time you were, we got together, you mentioned this, and, and how are you doing on that? Have What's you noticed that the hardest thing in the world for men to deal with are women? 
It's the greatest challenge? If you say so. No, what do you say? I mean, in your world, in your ministry, and when you're out there, yeah. or when you're talking to men, uh, does it seem to be the yeah, man and woman I, relationship? I, yeah, I think, well, yes, if they're, if they're, if they're uh, yeah, I would say it is, right. probably when you boil it all down, because men, some of their greatest struggles is obviously dealing with women right. of the opposite sex, whether yeah. it's... Is it hard illicitly, to say yes to that? Illicitly, well, it's not hard to say yes to it, but I think there's a lot of other things that rank, rank up there as well. Oh, yeah, there are but, a lot but, of other things, but yeah. the primary, when I do a lot of counseling with couples and individuals, and the primary problem is the man and woman relationship. Yes, yeah. The women need something that men don't give. Men need something that women don't give. That's true. They, they're trying to please each other. It never works out right. Right. And they're doing it all in the wrong way. Yeah. That seems to be a major problem. Yeah. And I think that's why 50% uh, of divorce, of marriages end in divorces. Yeah. Even in because, the church. Yeah, especially in churches. Because a lot of these people are Christian people that I'm dealing with at least. Right. And it's because they don't really understand how the man and woman relate should relate to one another. And I think, Mike, it's because they don't understand that the order of order. God. Yeah. Am I wrong? That's good. Yeah, I think you're right. You think I'm right? Yeah, I th I'd like to see more and more people understand and understand that authority, that, that structure, that, and, and really, truly understand that this is how you're supposed to love your wife. That's right. Love her to the point that you're willing to lay down your life for. Don't That's be right. selfish. That's right. Don't, don't yield to what you want, what you feel, what you think. I think you made a good point when you said love is about giving it. It's not for you, even though it is with you, but it's about giving to others. Yeah. You know, you let it go, and what yeah. you put out come back on you. Yeah, that's good. Mike, how can people get in contact with your church in case they want to come and visit? Well, if they want to come visit, we're located on Highway 191 between Midland and Odessa, and uh, we have a website, yeah. www.midcities.org, and um, we have services at 1030 on Sundays and 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. Thank you, Mike. It's been fun. Thanks, Jesse. God bless Appreciate you. it. All right. Thank you. My name is Jesse Lee Peterson. I'm founder and president of a nonprofit organization, Bond, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. And our purpose is to rebuild the family by rebuilding the man. You can reach us at 1-800-411-2663, 1-800-411-2663, or, or at our website, www.bondinfo.org, B-O-N-D-I-N-F-O.org. We're 13 years old. We're not a uh, governmental organization. We're a private, nonprofit organization. And I believe in the perfect order of God and Christ, Christ and man, man over woman, and woman over children. It is a spiritual battle that we're fighting. Not blacks against whites or whites against blacks, but good versus evil, right versus wrong. I'm committed to rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. For an audio or video copy of this program, please call or write the address on the screen. Please include the program number when ordering.